The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Fed can just print more money out of thin air, but the government's always going to be in debt to the Fed. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Dangerous World Podcast. I'm honored that you're joining. This is part two of a two-part series. I'm doing a lot of two-part series lately. I have one with uh, Ron Weed, which is the second installment of that. First part of this was a YouTube-exclusive episode. Um, I don't think I'm releasing the audio file because it's very, very visual heavy. But he talks about a lot of occult numerology, and it's really, really interesting, man. Um, Actually made a dummy like me understand some of the interesting kind of stuff that he was looking into he was shown some uh really sort of freemasonic numerology when he was a child uh, i believe if i'm not mistaken in middle school or high school and uh you know just really became fascinated with the whole thing it connects with his personal life I'm not going to give too much away here um of course i had talked with ron weed before we did this numerology little two-part series and he's got an interesting story on its own but uh, you know, setting up the whole numerological thing, we start talking about how they are used in uh, some of these masterpieces by Mozart, by Mary Shelley, which is actually in the Patreon portion. And then we got Mozart and Da Vinci as well. OK, um, started off really just focusing on Mozart, but then it kind of evolved into this three part thing, um, kind of hitting the trifecta of a book, a painting and a musical masterpiece. So um, although. We're not thinking that Da Vinci was a Mason, and Ron says that he is not, and definitively he says that. Um, he has some serious um, connections to this whole world, right? Now, Mary Shelley and her husband, Percy, are a couple of fascinating people as well, man. So I hope that you'll see the Patreon portion of this. I will make sure that there is a video file for that, too. But uh, other than that, man, just enjoy the interesting, interesting takes that Mr. Ron Weed of the Imaginarium of Thought has when it comes to numerology. This was a fun one for me, man. Anytime I can learn, I think that these are really cool. So uh, I appreciate everything that he did, all the research that he put into this. From what I understand, he's not even doing this on his show, right? I mean, he just kind of like did a bunch of research for us here. So big, big props to him. Go and review his podcast if you can. You can do it on Apple, and then I believe Spotify has that feature now, too. So leave five-star reviews. Do it for me, too, if you can. It doesn't take too long. It really helps our podcast grow. And before we roll into it, 
you know, your favorite part, the housekeeping. Okay. But I got to do it. I got to do it. This is how I grow the show. So patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast. You can support my work. You can support all the fun guests by going and checking their Patreons out if they have them. Uh, but do mine first. Do mine first. Okay. We got patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast. $3 will get you full versions of every episode. Okay. $5 is going to get you the archive episodes, the ones that are old, the ones that are deleted off the free feed, ones mostly with uh, Brandon as the co host, the liberal side of the podcast when we started. Also, it'll get you weekly rants. The weekly rants are fun. I just kind of shoot the shit and I talk about problems and issues that are facing the world today. It's fun. So I uh, hope to see you over there. And then the $10 tier is, of course, where you just uh, you really just tell me how much you love me. OK, we also do the monthly group roundtable type things the last Saturday of every month. Um, what else are the perks over there? I don't even know. Just check it out. You can go to the Patreon. It's free to visit it and you can find out what the perks are yourself. You get a bonus episode a month, too. Uh, about to drop the bathtub episode. I did an b- episode in the bathtub inspired by Giannis Pappas, the great Giannis Pappas. And uh, I'm really excited to share that. You're going to see my physique. It's um, male athleticism at its finest. I'll just say that. It's uh, one of a kind body type. And, uh, you know, I'm proud of it. I'm proud of it there. Okay. As far as content goes, it's either the greatest piece that I've ever released or the worst piece. So that's for the $10 subscribers. Um, been teasing it trying to, to just get past the body shamers out there. Okay. Uh, so it is what it is. We're going to, we're going to drop that here soon. And uh, yeah, so that's it. Also dangerousworldstore.com. I appreciate you, uh, you know, buying the shirts, rocking one here right now. Um, this is a custom one for myself. I am the one that prints these bad boys. So, you know, they're quality, they're cheap, but they're not cheap. If you know what I'm saying, they're, they're, they're inexpensive. I guess is a better way to say it. Dangerousworldstore.com. Also, guys, if you feel so inclined, check out Operation Tinfoil, okay? I'm wearing the beanie right now. It is a dope, dope little beanie, silver lining inside. And I'm not saying that metaphorically. There is literally a silver lining inside to protect you from EMF waves. These things are harmful to your brain, son. They're going to make you think crazy thoughts, and they're going to make the government be able to control what you think, allegedly, okay? We're not saying that this is going to uh, prevent stupidity. But it'll definitely help from the harmful effects that are scientifically proven to come from 5G towers, Bluetooth, freaking cell phone, Wi-Fi, all this stuff, man. Check out weartinfoil.com. Okay, that's weartinfoil.com. And you'll get 10% or I'm sorry, 20% off. Okay, see, that's what we call in the biz uh, an incentive. I say I say a low number, I lowball you, and then we go up a little bit. You're going to get 20% off. Okay. Quality, quality hat. There are some products sort of like this out there. Dude, you're not going to find one like this hat. I love this freaking hat. I wear it all the time. Not going to be caught dead not wearing this hat, okay? I'm not going to be caught dead not wearing this hat. Think about that one. I'm always wearing the damn hat. Trust me, son. I love this hat, okay? Wear tinfoil.com. Thank you for what the dude's doing out there. And uh, I hope that you enjoy this episode. It's fun. It's a really cool episode. and um. This one will be obviously on the podcast feed, but I'd appreciate you going and subscribing to YouTube. Okay. The YouTube is tiny. It's pretty new. I'm trying to grow that thing. And, uh, you know, there's no reason I shouldn't have a few thousand subs over there, baby, trying to monetize. And if I monetize YouTube, you know, I'm not going to be pushing this shit as much. You know what I mean? I'm not going to be pushing my, my, uh, Patreon. I'm not going to be pushing my website. 
I'll still support and push these great companies that partner up with the show and with small podcasts like mine, because groups like uh, Operation Tinfoil are trying to not only prop up small podcasts, it's a small American company that is doing good, good shit. So I appreciate what they're doing. Thank you a lot, Operation Tinfoil. Again, wearTinfoil.com, get 20% off. Hey, you can't beat that, dude. Protect your brain. Freaking look cool. You got it, right? You got it, dude. So thank you, guys. Enjoy this episode with Ron Weed of The Imaginarium of Thought. And I'll see you very soon. Also, again, roll into the Patreon. We're going to talk about Mary Shelley. That's the, uh, it was kind of, it just kind of lined up perfectly. Talk about her and her husband's mysterious disappearance. She ties in with all this shit, too. So appreciate everything that you guys do. See you on the Patreon. And then I'll see you wherever I see you. Take care and enjoy the episode. All right, folks, you got Ron Weed back here, and he is going to do the part two of the whole thing that we were talking about just a week ago. You know, we was kind of dropping some bombs when it comes to numerology. And this stuff's fun, man. Um, The YouTube video is up uh, for that first installment of this little two-part series. I recommend you check that out. It's kind of like a prerequisite. And we're going to get into three different pieces uh, from different, you know, master. I mean, what do, what do you call these people? I mean, th- these people are just really influential uh, figures throughout time. We got Leonardo da Vinci. Um, then we have Mozart. And then we have Mary Shelley, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is going to be just kind of, uh, you know, breaking down these three different works of art, these masterpieces, really, that have influenced culture. They've been, you know, referenced timeless uh you know over and over again these things have been referenced where where do you want to start with this whole thing dude because this is uh i mean the numerology stuff is really complicated for a lot of people myself included and you know i want to get into wherever you think uh this whole thing fits in well um it fits in because uh it's telling this uh universal love story that um you know Many of the most famous uh, artistic, you know, inventor type geniuses or whatever, uh, they um, there's always this uh, understanding of the spiritual laws and stuff like that, that kind of uh, paints the picture for them. And um, so you, you hear it, it's like that whole thing, like it's the same story told you know, numerous different ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, with the numbers, that's w- when you think about it, like going into like the, you know, Baha, Bahaga Vida or whatever, Gita, that famous uh, Hindu book that we're taught where it's Krishna talking to uh, Arjuna, Prince Arjuna or something like, um, uh, he says, the only thing that's true is the soul. Because it's the one thing that never, never ceases. He's like, no, no matter what, it could be millions of, yeah, it, it could be millions of years before it changes, but eventually it'll change. And that means it's not real. Mm. The only thing that's real is this eternal dance of uh, energies. Yeah. And there's that whole thing where like energy can't be created or destroyed, you know, and, and something about that to me seems weird. It seems like. Maybe energy can be created and destroyed. You know, we, we get this science that tells us that. And, and we've started to learn that science really isn't always true. 
So it's an interesting thing. At the very least, this kind of stuff is debatable. So I'm interested to see what you have here um, because the numerology stuff, dude, that stuff's really interesting to me, man. And I think, you know, it's it, a, a lot of people seem to be trying to kind of like hack into this whole thing. And it's it does seem like just that. It seems like some computer program that it just takes like this this numerological understanding to try to really understand the the deepest, darkest secrets of our reality. It's that's what it seems like to me. Yeah, and and I wouldn't say necessarily darkest, you know. It's just uh it's just the core of 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 it. Like um they talk about how scientists, if you believe in space, <laughs> have said <laughs> that like understanding, you know, things at a um atomic level have helped them understand things at, in a massive scale, you know to uh understand distant you know space and stuff mm-hmm. um so yeah with with the numbers like i think uh you know we're taking it back right pythagoras um and and it's kind of what's going on nowadays is people are kind of turning the number thing to some sort of, some sort of like it's kind of they're kind of making it culty <laughs> yeah they <laughs> like, are dude. like dude. pythagoras you know what i mean like oh i got this special number and this and that start you know (laughs) i'm a prophet you know when really it's just it's available to everybody it's just some people maybe maybe um you know have you know of course have a harder time understanding it it took me a very long time to start paying attention to it i mean i've had this number thing you know the majority of my life you know for so long before i ever really started looking into it And uh, it didn't take until I started becoming spiritual that made me look at this number thing and start to actually like, you know, take that first layer off of the logic and start going into more of like the, you know, the unlogical, like the invisible nature of Mm -hmm. reality. Um, And that's the kind of like the first step is to understand like that what we see um, isn't all that exists, you know, that everything is actually at the most atomic level, just energy. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, well, and dude, you show that with this, uh, I'll actually bring this up right now. Um, the, the atomic, you know, this was a reference that we had that you showed me this thing here where, you know, protons are represented by this male energy. And then the, uh, what is this? The, the neutron? No. What is it? The, the electron, I'm sorry, is represented by the female energy. And, and yeah, you see that this, this is kind of the building blocks of our, of our reality, right? I mean, numbers seem to be in everything. There's the Fibonacci code. There's, there's all this stuff and the stock market. I mean, this, this even operates off of the Fibonacci code to a sense, right? And you see it in like vegetables, like Romanesco. You see it in, in really any kind of, uh, any kind of vegetable that's out there, any kind of living form. There is numbers that seem to make up some things and some of the most, you know, long lasting influential pieces of architecture seem to follow some sort of numerological code too. And then apparently some, some masterpieces in pop culture throughout the ages seem to follow some numerological references too, whether it be, you know, through Mozart, through Da Vinci, through Shelley, these things seem to have patterns. And so it's just an interesting thing, dude. So, yeah, uh, uh, let's let's roll into this stuff, dude. Um, are we like, starting- uh, 
Oh, go ahead. Oh, oh uh, for this right here. But this is this is showing that at the atomic level, there's motion. Mm-hmm. There's there's action. So so even though we we can't see it with our physical eyes, it's still there, and it's still doing this eternal dance, you know, of, of energies. This is this is shows that you know, even objects that I guess aren't magnetic, but at the atomic level, it still uh, is you know. It's still uh, rooted by this magnetic dance, you know, by this eternal dance of energy. Yeah, and and that's what they're doing, dude. Like these things are moving around, right? And they're moving around perfectly. These things, these things don't do anything wrong. These little, uh, you know, these cells. I mean, cells don't do anything wrong, even if it's a cancer cell. It's acting perfectly in sync with with what's around it. And we see cancer as like one of the most horrible things, but, but I mean, it's, it's doing exactly what it's supposed to do always. And it never strays away from that human beings. They, I mean, we, we stray from what we're supposed to do all the time, but I think that that's kind of because we don't know what the hell we're supposed to do. You know what I mean? We don't know, like that, that's one of the, that's one of the gifts and the curse of, of having a consciousness, right? Is like, you don't really know what your purpose is when you're an animal, whether it's a rat or a lion. You you have a purpose and you know what that purpose is and you and and your purpose is to live and to eat and to shit and to just like go through life right, but humans mm-hmm. always are striving for a bigger purpose. Yeah, and uh, that shows the difference in the energies between like what we're seeing going on here with the uh, five nines, you know, the nucleus, and then the uh, five zeros is the neutron. The nucleus is the uh, is you could say like logic you know, the application and, and the construction of uh, energies. That's mm. kind of like everlasting and eternal, ever, ever, ever growing um, because it's, it's constantly moving, you know, like there's constant action. So while then the neutron would be more of like uh, emotions and stuff like that, our psychic side. And um, with that, when you're over emotional and you're bound in that, you you lack progression right because you're just moping around (laughs) yeah so um also when we think about magnetism right uh the north pole or the positive side of the magnet is always represented by red and the uh southern pole of the magnet is represented by blue and if you look it up they'll say oh there's no reason for that it just is what it is it's always been like that but um, when you think about it, right, uh, red is more of like fire. It's more of like progression. That's like the the root and growth, right? While blue is uh, represented by um, uh, you know the the energy and the foundation, you know, yeah, the the, the fire and ice, the fire, you know, the. <laughs> dance or whatever but um uh so where this goes in right so we think um at the root level we think of that as like the fe- the the feminine like and you and you say like that uh now this is this is taking it back different right because root does represent fire and everything like that red fire but here goes the thing it's like the spark you know the action that gets you yeah. going because without action, you're just stalled. You become uh, there is no creation. 
there is no you know you're just in a, you're in a it's a difference between being in the egg and breaking out of the egg you know so i'm just this is like just you know taking it in like a cult like metaphor you know like but um so uh with you see how the poles are reversed here right now the north what would represent positivity and the north is now uh pointing down if we're talking if we're looking at it like on the chakra system it's now red so we're going down while south or neck uh the negative side of the pole is now going up transcending into the blue which would be the psychic side of the the human psyche right because red and blue uh makes green and green is the heart chakra so and, and we it, talked about that too, Ron, where like the earth representing the heart or the, or the green representing the heart. I mean, earth is just a heart, you know, with the, with the letters rearranged, which is interesting to me. So where this, uh, this goes into, uh, I guess we'll start with the first guy is uh, Leonardo da Vinci. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's, you know, very famous. He's the, basically the archetype of the uh, Renaissance man. And, uh, he was an uh, Italian polymath, which is uh, a person of wi- with a ri- uh, wide range of knowledge and learning. He was a scientist, a mathematician, an engineer, an inventor, an, uh, an, ato- an anatomist, I guess like <laughs> the anatomy. Sorry, I, I, I can't read. Painter, sculptor, architect, botanist, musician, and writer. Um, and in his time, like he was, he was, you know, he thought of ideas like way ahead of his time. You know, it kind of, a lot of people say, you know, that, that whole term, like, uh, born ahead of your time, you know, you could yes. say that was, that's very, you know, likely to somebody like Da Vinci. Cause in his time period, which was, uh, the 1400s, uh, he died in, uh, 1519. Uh, he thought of, uh, helicopters, tanks, calculators, concentrated solar power which we'll get into in the da vinci's last supper painting uh and that also goes with the whole uh you know why why would that be connected with the occult right well that that what we just talked about with the atomic level and that that eternal dance right concentrated powers you know there's uh but um also he thought of the uh the double hole hole which is like uh, with instead of a regular ship hole, just being like one layer, it's like an extra outer layer of the hole to um, protect the the oil cargo within. And also, he uh, outlined a rudimentary theory of uh, plate tectonics, which is basically saying that um, back back in his time, people believed that the fossils and stuff like that that were found on uh, mountains were because of the flood, the biblical flood. But he was stating that it was because of the mountain was actually rising up where it was below its formerly at sea level. It actually rose up above and it. You know, that's where the fossils came from uh, regarding sea life. On the so was, was he atheist? Um, like, yeah, they'll say uh, he was atheist and he was against Christianity and, and all of this kind of stuff. But if you look look at it, he wasn't atheist because atheist would be would mean to believe that there's only what you see mm. right and i think with him 
it's like understanding God through the sciences, that blending of the esoteric and the logic, you know, the psyche and the logic, like showing that you kind of need both. Like you can't just be, oh, I'm psychic hippie all the time because then what are you doing? You're just no. lopping around, getting high. Yeah, well, and, <laughs> and you're just going through life and you're saying like, dude, I don't know. You know, I hate the idea of like this whole thing where it's like, dude, you know, spirituality is is the best thing ever. You know, because I to me, it seems like it's a it's the same thing that the World Economic Forum tries to promote, but it's in a different way that they do it. It's It's like you're going to have nothing and you're going to like it. And that's what these spiritual people try to push to. It doesn't matter if, if horrible things are happening in your life, accept it because this is a purpose. Fuck that dude. You, I, I think that, that people need to try and fight and strive for the best thing that they can do. And, and yes, unfortunately the, the way that we live right now, money is a big, big part of that. And so like, I, I never hate on people for making a lot of money. Or, or leaving some sort of impactful, uh, you know, or leaving some sort of impact on the world, whether it's even like a, in, in a selfish way. Everyone acts in self-interest. And I just think it's goofy as fuck when people start saying like, hey, let's, let's just, uh, you know, sit back and, and the universe is going to guide me. Doesn't matter if I'm, if my account's negative right now, because money will come to me when it, when I, when I need it. No, dude, you got to go out there and you got to make it. Everyone wants money. You got to go out there and you got to take it. You know what I mean? So that that kind of feeds into that whole thing, I think. Oh, yeah, definitely. And that's the, the beginning to every cult is them telling you to, to relinquish all your earthly possessions. Yeah, dude. Yeah. That's crazy. You know, and you don't want to get attached to those possessions where it's like what what defines you but it's the fruits of your labor you know you can't you can't hate but the enjoyment it's enjoying life without being attached to it mm-hmm. you know without being uh controlled by its nature yeah, um, uh but yeah that's definitely uh like what you're saying with the spirituality what's what's good with spirituality uh without practice Right. You learn all of this wisdom. You're so spiritually enlightened and stuff like that. What are you doing with it? How, how is that? How is that changing your community? Because like, if you want to, uh, if you don't mind going back to that first, uh, Da Vinci, uh, thing I showed you. This one here or which one? Yeah. That one right there. You know, this is his fav, uh, famous, uh, something man, the Vivi, something man with something V, the V man. <laughs> I, I guess I should have wrote that down. Huh? Like, but um, yeah. So, see how you have the circle and the square, right? Yep. So here you you see uh, that he has the two arms and the two legs, right? And also the the legs in the middle. That's kind of like a Masonic stance or something like that. I believe. Now, um, Da Vinci wouldn't have been a Mason. Now, there's that Dan Brown movie, uh, The Da Vinci Code, and all that kind of stuff. Um, that uh, the first records of Masons were like 1600 in Scotland, and the origins of them are, you know, un- unconfirmed type stuff. But Da Vinci, being multi talented like he was, all, in, all into all kinds of shit, um, he would have been most likely a part of, you know, he would have known like. Uh, builder guild, uh, you know, you know, builder guilds and stuff like that. He would have been into sculpting, and he would have known sculptors and 
masons and things like that at that time period. What this is called here, not to interrupt you, Ron, it's the Vitruvian Man. Vitruvian Man. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, people, will as soon as you see this, 99% of people will remember it. Yeah, everyone will know yeah everyone's seen this thing it's the guy in the wheel and he's got the forearms and the four legs so here we see that same dance going on again right mm-hmm. you have the uh higher the logic thinking right uh side which is the head and then you have the feet which are tethered right which would be the five zeros and then now you have the, the hands. Now, where would the hands be? The hands are the application, uh, which is, uh, your ability to create, right? How it's circled around. That's, that's, that's you being like your arm width and stuff like that, because you changed the world, right? With your, with your touch, essentially, right? Your application to the world morphs the world. That, that's how you are, you know, the creator of that. That's, you know, like that. But then you have the square. And that's like your grounding, right? Mm-hmm. That's like you're uh, tethering your foundation uh, to the reality. So notice also how the hands uh, touch the square and the circle. And then also at the bottom, it's connected this, the same way with the circle and the square on the, where it's outlined. So... Um, where this is, is like the male and female energy again, right? The, the divine masculine and the divine feminine. And, you know, not to get, you know, cr- what is it, uh, reverse or whatever, but the, the legs spread apart, right? And then the legs stand down. You know, that's kind of like some missionary position on yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude. No, I mean, yeah. And and yeah, I mean, no, dude, let it go. You know what I mean? Like, fucking throw this shit out here. Because this is the stuff that... This is interesting to me, too. I mean, you know, you have this dude's, this dude's hands on the top. He's touching both the circle and the square uh, with his hands. And then his, his feet that are straight are touching the circle and square on the bottom. So we can assume that that's the man, right? His, the yeah. man's mm-hmm. arms are higher up, right? Oh uh no I I think the the man's arms would be the lower arms. Really? And the fem- female's arms would be raised up, yeah. Um and the reason why is um I think uh with men we're more uh grounded in our our approach, I guess, with with uh our touch on reality where you you know female approach would be more of a eternal or like yeah like uh, like yeah like a loving uh and you know more of a higher type touch where men it yeah we might be a little rough around the edges but we're trying to do something you know it's not like we're doing it on to be mean to you it's just how it's we're doing it you know it's getting done this way <laughs> so we're a little rougher rougher with our approach so i feel like that would be more on the lower so to be clear here the the square represents reality and the circle represents like eternity. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. And, and, uh, that's the, because with the circle and the square, that's the whole thing about that whole, like, so you have the square and the circle and the triangle, mm-hmm. like that whole thing, like the three shapes and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, the square and the circle, that's like, 
that's like you being the creator to the that's like you're with your self right represented by the circle your 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 application to the world like how you're uh moving through the world your that's your ability to create and be the creator and shape mm-hmm. things right create something like the whole alchemy shaping something with your hands and things or or even your mind and just your when we say touch it doesn't happen necessarily it could be your words that you write down on paper or whatever um mm. so and uh that's that's your ability to create right your feet to move and then your hands to to shape and then the square square is the reality that you're now applying your form to and, and morphing and then of course where the triangle would be would be the of course the you know how we say the or in the previous episode with the three six nine and stuff like that is you have two thirds uh, physical and then one third uh, non physical non visible mm-hmm. you know the hidden you know they talk about the hidden enemy the hidden you know all this kind of stuff you you can't see it you know interesting um, yeah, yeah dude it's just it's crazy to me to think about how I mean it, it'd be really interesting just to like if this dude did he ever write down what this meant da vinci oh it might be in those words right there but i don't know i'm just kind of taking it from my own yeah it's approach. it's just so crazy dude because this is something that it's considered a masterpiece but like you look at it and it's like dude there's so many like better pieces of art throughout history but this thing is like you said it's referenced a lot and it just seems like a very basic thing so there's clearly some sort of esoteric meaning to it right or some sort of occult meaning to it yeah and, and it oh, i'm sorry I didn't, mean, I didn't mean to cut it cut you off Go ahead. But oh, uh, I was gonna say, um, yeah, we, even with the uh, Last Supper painting and stuff like that. Um, yeah, let's go. The, one of the top people who's in, in the researching and stuff like that, his his saying that the secret to the Last Supper is that um, this see in this time there was a lot of painters and stuff like that, and they were all doing Last Supper paintings. And then Da Vinci, you know, did his version of the Last Supper painting. And in this last supper painting, he left out the halos because, uh, um, in the original paintings, people would put halos behind all of the disciples and behind Jesus' head and stuff like that, right? Okay. So, um, the expert saying that him leaving that out of his painting is showing that he's saying that, oh, Jesus and all his disciples, they're just regular men. That's all there is to it. That they're just regular people, and then, and that don't mean shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that like all of this don't mean shit, right? Um, but going into the whole magnetic energies, right? And Da Vinci would have been into math. He was a mathematician, and you know, so he would have been into you know, possibly he understood the same calculation that I'm breaking down to you, right? With this whole energies and stuff like that. So if you look at uh, Jesus's attire. It's red and, and uh, blue. So, you know, that could be an homage to uh, magnetic energy. Mm. How uh, Jesus was the master of the two, the two uh, sides of the physical and the non-physical. And through that, he, he had the understanding of that magnetic energy, which is... Uh, uh, you know, could could be uh, from the sun because I guess the sun, per every you know, it produces this radiation 
uh, like the light radiation where how uh, uh, everything is essentially green light, like at, at a uh, photosynthetic layer or something like that. I've heard that it's purple. And, and, and so like when, when purple and the reason that, that plants are green is because purple is at the opposite end of the spectrum as violet. That's why they call it ultraviolet. You get red, blue, and then you do get some green light. But the reason that plants turn green is because uh, of the sun's, uh, you know, energy source, and it makes these plants turn green. Is that uh, along the lines of what you heard? Yeah, and um, uh, yeah, and then it uh, has to also do with why the aurora borealis Mm -hmm. is uh, that green color as well. Well, and if we're going to get real weird, they, they say that that's like the, uh, the inner sun, like the sun inside the earth. And that's like a reflection. Mm. And that's why people can't get up to that area, like in the North Pole and shit. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's an interesting thing. Obviously, we know that we can't go to Antarctica, but that's at the South Pole. Um, and, and to kind of touch on what you were saying, when you're speaking about Jesus with the red and the blue, He's wearing like what looks like a red shirt with like a blue sash over it or some kind of shit. I mean, yeah. you know, and, mm-hmm. it, and it's kind of it represents some sort of duality, clearly. But then that can also be like the sun and the moon, right? I mean, like there's there's all kinds of things that you can interpret this, and and everyone's seen this painting. I mean, it, you know, but what's interesting? And it was uh oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off again. <laughs> Oh, no, I was just saying what's interesting was this thing that you pointed out, and we alluded to this in the last episode. At the top, there's these 36 little squares, right? Mm-hmm. And then that plays into the whole 108 or 216 thing with the black cube. Yep, magic square of the sun. Shit's weird, dude. And that was a good, yeah. good find on your part. <laughs> I wanted to um, go over the... Uh, um, a little bit, like, history, I guess, about the painting or whatever uh just kind of get an idea of it like actually uh this this painting uh was actually a failed experiment of da vinci's because a lot of the uh, painters at the time they would paint on uh wet uh plaster or whatever uh where da vinci he decided to try a tempura paint on a drywall and decades after he painted it it started to fall apart and peel off so actually over time it's been uh restored by uh experts who figured something about out about it and some critics claim that only a faction a fraction of this painting is actually to da vinci's original uh uh you know what he originally had painted so what we're seeing here is actually uh uh a i guess uh remaster of his original so <laughs> we we and um this this painting also uh, at one time this this area was actually a monastery um in santa maria del grazia monastery in milan italy and um it was a uh, uh, stable for napoleon at one time like his soldiers and <laughs> uh, horses and stuff like, yeah. And then also the Nazis actually bombed this monastery during uh, World War II. But, and, uh, you know, the surrounding walls were reduced to rubble, but, but this wall survived. Wow. Where, where this, where, you know, he eventually painted on here. <laughs> wow. So this was painted on a wall. This yeah. This was painted on a wall. 
Mm-hmm. Wow, dude. So it's almost like they were like targeting everything else but this, right? Or they they tried to actively keep this standing. Well, it could be that they they might have been actually trying to destroy it because you know how the Nazis were trying to acquire all uh, spiritual type yeah. knowledge while destroying it in the process. <laughs> and they were very anti-Christian, right? They were anti-Christianity in every way. I mean, uh, what's the guy's name? Um, Himmler, right? Heinrich Himmler. He thought he was uh, a reincarnation of Heinrich the Valor and or the Fowler, sorry, Heinrich the Fowler. And the, I mean, this was an old uh, German ruler uh, under like the, some empire. And um, he, he took his old castle, if I'm not mistaken, and he tried to recreate it as a pagan site of worship when it was previously a Christian site of worship. And then they just tried to like, just kind of wipe out the Christian history and make it a pagan thing. And this is like one of the reasons that I'm anti-pagan I've got some friends that that kind of lean into that paganism, which I'm not. I'm not saying that they're Nazis if they lean into that shit. But uh, I'll, I'll say anything that Heinrich Himmler or Goebbels or Hitler believed in, I probably don't agree with personally. Um, but at the same time, I'm not as educated as I'd like to be on that because um, you know the same shit that's going on with Putin right now with the Ukraine. Um, I'm not. I'm not a fan of Putin personally, but. It seems like Ukraine's doing some shady shit too. So it's like, what side of history is actually the right side? It's it's really difficult to sift through this information. And like, uh, you know, we were talking about how much history will actually survive. Yeah, <laughs> dude, it's so hard to know, right? I mean, and, and that's the thing, man. Like, you know, all that matters is who wins, and that's where history comes from. So, and and everyone knows that. I'm not saying anything crazy here. It's just like, dude, you know. Who who's to say that? And it sounds so fucked up to say, but who's to say that the Nazis weren't doing something that that they that that was right? Who, who? And I'm not saying killing Jewish people is good, but like, were they actually doing that? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not a, a Holocaust denier. Again, I don't really look into this shit, but it's so tough to know what is right because, dude, our government is the worst government in the world. I think, in my opinion, um. It's just tough to know what's right, dude. And it, it, that's what makes this this whole thing really difficult. Looking into hidden history, it's tough. Yeah, and, and um, see, what a lot of people don't fail to understand is like, uh, you know, people like that, they have twisted ideologies where they think they're right and they think they're doing the right thing, right? So in, in, their, in their way, they are... Um, they're doing, you know, they're doing God's will. It's, it's like, uh, where the, the saying God loves all his children, right? Mm-hmm. They're basically taking advantage of God's, um, never ending love, you know, his ability to forgive and redemption, all this kind of stuff, because they're driving what they're doing with purpose. So, well, yeah, I um, mean, you see what I'm saying here? Like, if, if the Nazis were to have won, World War II, America would have been the one that killed the six million Jews, right? I mean, like, mm-hmm. it, it, they just would have flipped that story around and everyone would have believed that. And, and so that, and, you know, Hitler took that, that swastika and he, I mean, that the swastika, it means, I think, like love and, and light, right? I mean, like, that's a Sanskrit symbol. It's a really positive symbol. 
And he was using that symbol for his people, right? You know, the Aryans. He thought that he was doing God's work, like you said. So, dude, you know, if they would have won, the narrative would have been different. And that's that's just what's so, it's so confusing when you look into it and when you try and come at it from like a non-biased perspective, which is really hard to do, rightfully so, with the Nazis. Um, but, I mean, if it would have worked out the other way, we wouldn't be talking about this in the same way. Well, it, you know, they were coming at it, I guess, with uh, a uh, Holy Roman Empire type approach. Sure. Where, oh, we're good. We're the good guys. We're the God's men, holy men. You better do what we say or we're going to fuck you up. <laughs> well, that's what the United <laughs> States does right now, too. Yeah. And so that's basically what they're trying to get, get back to. They're trying to get back to the uh, old Holy Roman Empire days and stuff yeah. like that. Well, that's what Steve and, Bannon and them, them are doing right now, too. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. And uh, where, where that goes in is because you can promote religion and have build up religious followers who aren't spiritual. And they're following religious doctrine as like uh, a program. You know, they're basically using it as a way to program their, li- their life and rules to follow. So that way, uh, the leaders of these organizations and stuff like that can 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 do as they please and live as mm-hmm. kings and the high the high priest of the ancient times you know yeah dude it's crazy shit it's crazy um so, do you have anything else that you want to talk about with uh oh, da vinci oh yeah and uh well with da vinci um a lot of his stuff actually uh barely uh uh made it because he was uh always you know fucking you know, had a lot of disasters. Um, he was always experimenting on shit, always trying out new techniques and stuff like that. And um, actually, was a chronic procrastinator. <laughs> really? Well, so am I. Yeah, this guy who was was considered a polymath. You know what I mean? So so talented in all these areas. Sometimes he would just say fuck it and just wouldn't want it. You know what I mean? Because. He'd be so interested in in doing this thing, and then all of a sudden something comes along and takes his interest. And now he's like, "I don't want to do that other thing. I'm focused on this thing now." So he 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 take him a while to circle back and finish up what he was doing. Mm. He just gets taken by the uh, flow of the current, you know, in a way. Knowledge. So um, yeah, he was uh, with science and stuff like that. He. Uh, greatly helped the advancement of uh, knowledge and anatomy, uh, civil engineering, uh, optics, and, and hydrodynamics. Uh, hy- you know, hydrodynamics is the way uh, uh, water flows and how, uh, you know, bodies uh, move, you know, or are affected by the pressures of water and stuff like that. Okay. And then, but, but going into the optics, which, uh, actually has to do with this, uh, painting here. He actually, when he first started painting this picture, he put a nail in the right where, where Jesus's temple would be the right side of Jesus's temple. And that has to do with, uh, like something with the mind and like the logical side of the brain or, or something, something like that. And so. From there, he took a string and tied it around that uh, um, point, and he uh, pulled it out and and perspective perspect, uh, drew the perspective that way, right? That the center that that point of Jesus's head is the centerpiece of the whole painting. The right because temple, Vin- 
yeah, the right temple. Jesus is, uh, I mean, uh, Da Vinci, sorry, was all into like detail and, you know, perspectives and the way the light moves and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, with his, you know, um, all of the studies and stuff. Uh, but, um, so, uh, with the magic square of the sun, right? You see how Thomas is the guy pointing up? Tom, yeah. The guy in the back with like the curly hair. Yeah, with his finger pointing up. Uh, right a lot next, of people right to the 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 right of Jesus for the person looking at the thing. Yeah, yeah, his left. Yeah, yeah, and and he's saying, uh, you know, they say, oh, that's him pointing up at God. But but now that we understand from the last episode, the magic square of the sun, and all that, and its applications with things, you know, for people who hadn't seen that video, you know, you can go back and learn more a little more about it. Um. So uh Jesus here and this this part right here is represented by the sun. And uh the sun is uh what produces uh natural light, right? Um so uh that's why what we're seeing is Jesus where Jesus's head is placed, it's in the horizon. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has it opened oh, up. And he, yeah. He has it going back. So that's depth. That's seeing, that's seeing, uh, that's turning this image from a 2D plane to a 3D plane. Right. Because that's applying that, that deeper, um, that looking through the veil and seeing more application thing. Mm. So the left side of the room is dark. And the the right side of the room is light here, right? As you can see on the walls. Yeah. So that's kind of backwards with what this thing is saying here with uh, spring going to winter. But I'm not saying it's wrong. Because uh, what we'll see here is um, uh, winter would actually be uh, the dimmest light, right? So winter should be on the opposite end where it's the shaded darker side of the room. And spring should be, you know, the spark of that new light. And that would be the uh, right side of the room. And then Jesus, of course, the sun and summer at the highest point. Um, but uh, so what we're, um, or maybe it is, going yeah 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 it should be the other way but um but see i'm not saying it's wrong because also like what i was saying earlier with magnetism uh the right side of a magnet is supposed to represent the the positive side the north and the blue represent the south but if you zoom in can you zoom in on uh jesus's hands yeah as above so below yeah look how he's uh pointing down with his right hand and then with his left hand, he has it exposed, pointing up, you know, just like with Thomas. Yeah. Or Baphomet. So the, B- Baphomet. <laughs> I mean, that, yeah. Baphomet's doing that shit too, you know what I mean? Oh, no, true, 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 yeah. Uh, and then, But also, um, if you see his right hand, mm-hmm. look how him and Judas are kind of like reaching. Oh, yeah, that's Judas right there. The, right? The, their palms are like towards each other. Right. So Judas is the guy again with the curly hair looking at this uh lady looking figure. 
Yeah, and the lady was uh, – that's actually, um, I think, John, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, according to Dan Brown of the Da Vinci Code, it's supposed to be Mary Magdalene. And But John was just a feminine-looking man. He was always represented that way. So Judas reaching towards Jesus here, that represents like the the negative. Even though his hand is supposedly to the right, that's supposed to be representing positivity. Judas is reaching towards that, so that makes it negative. Is that what you're saying? Well, um, uh, Judas was actually Jesus's closest disciple. Yeah. And, you know, there's even talks about how he knew what Judas is going to do. And he would actually have secret talks with Judas. I don't know if you heard about the gospel of Judas. No. It's one of those Gnostic texts. And, and uh, the reason why it's controversial is it kind of says it's with the one that kind of says, I think the God of the Bible is the bad, you know, he's Demiurge or whatever mm. type thing. Um, maybe the uh, Torah, you know, the first Testament, the Old Testament. So, um, uh Jesus with the right side, right? That's the application of magnetism. Because with with the palm up, we're going to ask about silk below. That's why the, the negative side is going up and the right side's going down. Yeah, yeah. It's the counter counter energies, right? Hmm. Like uh, you know, how a magnet works, right? The you can't have the both batteries facing the same way, essentially, you know. Um, to apply in whatever because you're trying to create that circuit right so that's basically what he's showing here he's showing like a circuit so the positive side going towards judas uh you know because they say that the stuff he told Jude, you know the secret teaching of judas or whatever um could he have could this be saying that judas uh uh has you know he passed on like handing handing over that knowledge to uh judas as you see you know you see the bread on the plate you know and and all that you know could could that you know be you know because with the with this is it could be uh anything right i think one guy he even had it right out send nudes (laughs) (laughs) on the both sides but uh can you uh zoom out to one of the other uh images of this which one uh i guess the one above or yeah, the one uh, below. So, yeah. So here is basically what he did, right? Where I talked about with the string and the uh, him stretching yeah, yeah, it yeah. out. Okay. Yeah. So on the left side, you have four, you know, the uh, rack, you know, little displays. Well, whatever you would call that little sheet on a uh, display on the wall. Damn. Like a little, you know, uh, rug. You know, like they have in the painting. Look, look on the walls in the painting for the view. <laughs> um, yeah, so there's four right on each side. Four and that's of shown, these little, four of these little like window looking things, but they're tapestries, right? Tapestries, that's the word. And uh, so that's eight, right? Yeah. Um, so that's showing again that uh, eternal dance going on. The, the like, figure the eight. Unit. Yeah, the yin yang symbol. And that's what we went into in the last episode about eight and word, you know, how it's infinity and all this kind of stuff and how it's also nine is uh, separate on its own throne. And then one through eight is like the kingdom, essentially, mm-hmm. right? Like the, the, the reality. And um, so if you notice the windows 
in the in the background how one the window to the left is opened up and then the window to the right is kind of like obstructed yeah with someone's head yeah so the left side of that's so the open unobstructed view is on the dark side of the room yeah but then the on the light side of the room the window is obstructed oh shit so it's like it's easier to go to the dark side than the light side yeah and it's also showing that yin yang aspect right the the wow. light and the dark and then the dark and yeah so it's yeah. essentially eastern mysticism in you know 14th century european art damn that's really and, interesting yeah and um in this uh in the painting right below it or the uh, picture below this one oh uh, yeah well you know what really quick before we move on to that uh-huh. if you look at this little window up here you see little eight, eight little sections uh represented in that in that window right above jesus too you get one the the first and, and eighth are real small but you get one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight in that too. So that's kind of interesting. That's another little thing. Um, this one right here, you're saying. Mm-hmm. And uh, one more thing, I guess, because it kind of popped in my head is uh, remember in the the previous episode uh, where I drew out the uh, dots and we made the uh, those two geometrical patterns with the numbers and the columns and stuff like that. That's an accumulation uh, of 13 points. And there's 13 people in this image. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus and his 12 disciples, yeah. Yeah, and there's in that, um, to create those patterns, it took four dots on the outside ends and five dots on the inside, kind of showing this same thing of like a center. Hmm. Yeah, dude, that shit's crazy. And um, so, um, what 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 this is here now? What we're showing is how it has a crowd of people looking up at the painting. Yeah. And uh, the thing I was explaining about how Da Vinci uh, did it with the string and the nail is because he wanted to draw you into the painting. He wanted to draw you into that that focal point in the center. So. This is essentially here. This is creating a cross. This is the unraveling of the cube because his behind Jesus's head is the depth, right? That's the top of the, that's the top of the cross, the top square. And then the three squares that represent the, you know, the arm of the cross is the, is the painting, the left side, the center, and then the right, the table, right? Mm Mm-hmm. The space in between uh, the painting and the people is the chasm, the the invisible, you know, that how we talk about with the glue aspect and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Space in between. That's that part below the arms. And then you are the bottom of the cross looking at. Uh, looking so the painting is essentially you standing there looking up at the painting is actually creating a cross, mm. which we know that a cross is a, a cube unraveled, and that goes in with the you know six times six magic square of the sun being a cube at the top. You know, <laughs> wow. so where this goes in is right light the light source 
and this and da vinci he was a science scientist who studied optics and you know with his also his his understanding of anatomy he would have known how uh the light absorb uh, how our eyes and our brain absorb light right so um if you uh don't mind uh going to the painting uh the image below this one yeah this one is really interesting too so uh at the top there uh that's the light source right that would be uh the red and the blue again it, you know we <laughs> it just happens to be red and blue again you know uh but uh that's the light source so that would be behind jesus's head right that's the that's the focal point that he was creating that's that's the source of the light so yeah now, so let's then, go back really quick so look at how mm-hmm. this is how you have the red on the left side and the blue on the right side and then go back here to um you know the the best picture that we have the red on the left side and the blue on the right side that's what you're referring to that's why that's why he's saying it just happens to be red and blue again like these are like fire and ice opposites right and this has kind of been the the story throughout time ever since people really started getting you know into color mm-hmm. um and and trying to associate color with meaning and yeah we're seeing that right here so and before you even say it the right side of the brain is correlating to what you see when you're looking at something on the right side so that's why jesus's right temple would be the focal point because the red is seeing that side right well i think that i mean honestly the the colors actually matching up was coincidental that it worked out that way (laughs) it's like i didn't even think about that until you pointed it out well I, i just thought that because you said it just happens to be red and blue again but i mean it it just makes sense to me yeah, the dance of the energy that, uh, you know, the red, the masculine, the blue, the feminine, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, so the top there, that's the point of light. That would be behind Jesus' head, the light source coming in. How, that's why I made it the focal point. The left eyeball would be the left side of the table of us looking at the painting. The right eyeball would be the right side of the painting. And obviously, we're going to assume that Jesus uh, would be the third eye right oh wow okay yeah it's like you know element the 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 morphing of the logic and the psychic and then so how it's connected with the painting so we're going to say that two eyeballs and a third eye that's the last supper painting what most people would see the uninitiated right the un uh illuminated would 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 assume so uh that's the table the optic chasm how uh, the nerves going to the back of the brain there, that's the space in between. That's the connection from the you and to the painting, right? Us looking at the painting would be the visual cortex at the back of the brain. So essentially, when you're looking at Da Vinci's painting, that is exactly how your light, how your brain processes light. So, so what you're doing, looking at the painting, is what's showing you in the painting. <laughs> Look at wow. that. Make, I mean, I, I, I don't know if that. So basically, like the 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 painting on a surface level, it's just a Last Supper painting, right? Nothing, nothing to it. Just there's people, regular. It's a classic beings. piece, yeah. 
but then when you break it down in a a cult spiritual type aspect, you can see how someone with his knowledge of optics and the anatomy, what, you know, cause he liked to do stuff like that with his artwork. You know, he was, he, he was fascinated about, you know, he would merge, you know, these, these worlds. So, um, in his process of the Da Vinci Last Supper painting, he's basically showing us how we process light. Hmm. You know, I, I, I feel, you know, and, and there, I don't know if anybody else ever, you know, says this, but it just is one of those things that just kind of like, you, you look at something at that painting, you see the logical explanation is it was just a dinner and he just painted a dinner. But we know that someone like da vinci he liked to keep you know put little secrets and hidden things in his paintings and um to think that all it was was he left halos off of their heads to show that they're human just kind of seems like a cop out to me and and that i I, you know i don't want to hate on that dude because he's like the number one da vinci expert in the world but that kind of feels like i don't know well i mean the way that i think that you broke this down right here is so much more intricate and it makes it makes sense and then I hadn't even really known that your vision really comes from the back of your head. Um, it makes sense why, I mean, you know, getting hit in the back of the head. I mean, you can go blind getting hit in the back of the head. Um, it makes sense yeah, for, for seeing this. For people <laughs> to think, actually, uh, most people, and maybe he was trying to show that most people, when you're thinking, you're thinking only through the front of your eyes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're only, mm-hmm. But if you you can actually concentrate and and focus your attention to the back of your brain and your vision will actually become more clear like your clarity of sight i don't know it's a weird thing you know because you're more in tune with how your your brain and body works and stuff like that yeah dude that's that's some deep shit man it's crazy it's crazy to think about how in-depth this can be but obviously i mean the dude so you said he was not a freemason no he he wasn't but he uh um he most likely would have known stuff like that, you know, yeah, so he would have known about he was so know. ahead of his time. Yeah. Stone. he was, he, he was into sculpting and stuff like, so he would have probably known stone masons and, you know, that's where that stuff. They might've just yeah. told him because he had that fucking big dick energy, dude. He's a fucking G, huh? That's crazy, yeah, man. Yeah. Wild. But uh, yeah, I guess you want to go to the magic flute now. Yeah, so, dude, let's get into that. Um, let's see where we're, where are we starting here? Where are we going up to, uh, uh, the guy the first guy yeah dude so what's what's interesting about the magic flute and i'm gonna pee after i uh ramble about this for a second mm-hmm. the the magic flute is pretty interesting if i can find the proper one um oh yeah here we go so we talked about this a little bit you know he partnered up mozart partnered up with uh this chickenator if i'm pronouncing his name right um this dude was like a, a theatrical master of his time um think of like your favorite like musical producer and this this guy you know he's he's that of this time and and instead of just making a musical piece mozart partnered up with him and they made like sort of a a musical of sorts right Mm -hmm. and and you see some serious uh symbolism here and mozart was a freemason as opposed to da vinci right yeah and i also believe schnitter or whatever his name was was as well yeah, Chickenator. I, and I don't even know if that's how you pronounce it. It just looks like how you pronounce it. Um, uh, an Austrian dude from what I, from what I've gathered, but this was performed for the first time 
in Vienna, Austria, um, seventeen ninety one, and I think it was just a couple months before his death, right? Yeah, a couple months before he died, the thirtieth of September, seventeen ninety one. He died in December, so um, kind of interesting timing at the very least. But yeah, dude, uh, if you want to roll into it, I'm gonna go take a piss. Yeah, um, so Da Vinci, he was. I mean, not Da Vinci. We're, we're moving on to Da Vinci. <laughs> Mozart, oh, uh, he was uh, born, you know, at the beginning of the, I guess you would say the, or around the time of the uh, Age of Enlightenment. Um, because this would have been, uh, he was born before the American Revolution and he was, uh, you know, he died, you know, after we were, we already made our Declaration of Independence. And uh, his full name, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. He was uh, a musical prodigy. He, I think he wrote his first uh, songs when he was like six or seven years old. He was just masterful at the piano and, and all sorts of instruments. And uh, he, uh, he wasn't just uh, masterful at one type of uh, musical form. He was masterful at, you know, all of them are, you know, lots of them. He has... I think uh, about more than 500 masterpieces credited to his name. And a lot of, um, you know, songs that we hear um, that are classical are most likely going to be from him. Um, so he, yeah, he was uh, like Da Vinci. Um, he's somebody whose artwork uh, lasted you know, generations. It's, it's a timeless, it's their timeless masterpieces. So, um, the magic flute was the last opera that he had, uh, you know, created music for. And he actually, uh, I think, um, two months after it was first uh, performed, he actually passed away. And, um, I believe he initially, uh, you know, this, there's conspiracy theories going around saying that the he was killed um for releasing masonic secrets um within the the opera itself and um that's what he was murdered you know he was supposed you know they say he died of a mysterious illness but some conspiracy theorists claim that he was probably killed for re- revealing the masonic secrets within the uh play within the opera how do you feel about that? Uh, me, I feel like uh, he, I don't think he was killed for revealing the Masonic secrets in the play. I feel like maybe he was killed for its political um, representations as well. Because I think at the time there was a lot of, uh, you know, um, free thinkers and stuff like that. Like the Illuminati were actually the, you know, when you think about it, they were us. <laughs> of the past i'm not saying that we're you know evil people trying to rule the world and stuff like that but we were people who wanted to think and talk about whatever the fuck we wanted to talk about and we didn't want you know dictators you know threatening us to believe what they want us to believe you know what i mean well they were the disinformation candidates right that's what they were of the time if we're if we're the disinformation people we're the people that are putting out dangerous information yeah. That's that's mm-hmm. what the Illuminati was, right? Um yep. now I tend to not believe that the Illuminati I, I disagree with you respectfully. 
mm-hmm. because I, I do think that the Illuminati is now the ones that are probably partially in control of what's going on right now. Oh, um, yeah. But then, dude, look at this. Look at this little postcard. We see red and blue again, right? This chick wearing red and blue. She looks like she's some sort of royalty. And you see it right here, too. Red and blue on this dude. Uh, and dude, you know, I was thinking about that. I wonder how often you see red and blue portrayed in like kids' cartoons. I'm thinking of like the Bernstein Bears. Um, I mean, Brother Bear, right? I mean, that dude has red, red shirt with blue pants. Um, you see that kind of repeated now that we're kind of talking about this red and blue thing. Cause I, I'm obsessed with colors and like what they represent and, and the symbolism that goes in with them. Um, you see red and blue a lot in cartoons. Well, we can assume that there's Masonic uh, origins to the flag's creation as well. That's red, white, and blue. <laughs> yeah, of course. Of course. So, yeah, I'm sorry. Go Continue with what you're saying. I just thought that that was interesting that you were bringing that up right when I came back in. Democrat, Republican, and all that. But, um, yeah, I was going to say that, uh, see, with a lot of these organizations and even, like, with our truth community and stuff like that, there's bad apples that fuck things up for everybody and that just you know that's just the case of things you know like something starts out genuine you have genuine good reasons behind it and stuff like that and then it just gets infiltrated and then um used for ill purposes you know (laughs) of course like um so but um yeah so yeah uh this opera is essentially um about initiations into the mystery school so it's talking about uh someone becoming an illuminated person and i don't know if you know much about like the whole scarlet whore thing i know a little bit man not not as much as some people do so uh here in this play uh the queen of darkness which is one of the characters yeah um, should we pull her up real quick oh yeah um right here yeah so the queen of darkness uh you know she's the um five zeros she would represent the five zeros she would represent water right um and she would be like that tethering energy right and that's what she the dark you know the darkness she wants to hold hold people there and um so uh she's represented by west you know west and water and her element and stuff like that um she's jealous she has envious energy and stuff like that because supposedly uh serastos who's the um the original uh her 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 husband who passed away um the original owner of the serastos temple um gave serastos and his people uh the power uh his power instead of giving it to her so she's envious so here um Serasto or his people would be represent the five nines, uh fire, south, and um they would represent your true self or you becoming um your true undying nature, right? Understanding your divinity and being one with it. Understanding that yeah, you are a part of this reality, but you're not bound to, right? You're and that's basically what the Scarlet Whore or you know, this the cube of energy the saturn right the energies of saturn saturn is the teacher he's the person trying to throw obstacles in your way to bound you to this reality and that's right? also satan right mm-hmm. so just like the scarlet whore 
she's the she can give you all the pleasures, right? She's the horse. She she opens her legs for everybody, right? <laughs> yeah. Would that be Venus? But Venus. Um I I would assume I'm not I'm not sure. I can't really say. Okay. Um on that. But um yeah, so she would be the energy trying to keep you into this reality reality and focused on the flesh. Um Princess Pamina, her daughter is uh represented uh by the zero two four six eight or earth earth and water you know that mm-hmm. dance there um and north she would represent us in the flesh or our feminine energy right our mm-hmm. our dealings with life our dealings of our dealings of the fleshly matter that we just have to do we have to shit we have to eat <laughs> you know and she's we fed up with sleep. all the bullshit that these that these fucking entities are feeding to us yeah and that's just that's just us having to deal with the energies of the queen of darkness our mother right mother earth or just the the nature of this the nature of things not saying that she represents earth but like that nature of this reality i wouldn't say that you're wrong for saying that she represents earth though yeah um uh it could be you know earth could be the magnet holding us down uh but prince tamino represented by nine seven five three one um or air uh is the masculine energy he's the adventurer he's the he's the person that's going to um you know put their put get himself out of his comfort zone to make something happen right um he's he's the hero of the story yeah he's the protagonist yeah yeah he's the one that's that's uh you know becoming ascended because that's that's how you become ascended is when you want to become the hero and you want to serve right and you want to help people and stuff like that that's when you become the hero because now you're breaking away from that uh self self-serving attitude you know of course you want to live for the fruits of your labor but you don't want to be a greedy asshole <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. not like gre- greedy to the point where like you know you know, you got a couple spare dollars in your thing and you see somebody over, you know, some homeless guy asking for a few bucks. You rather just drive. <laughs> you know, I mean, whatever stuff happens. You know, but, uh, well, dude, look at this. So, you know, this uh, Sarastro character, I mean, he's clearly portrayed right here. I mean, that's Sarastro right here. Right. Mm-hmm. Guy at the top of the pyramid. I would say that this is probably that queen of darkness because she's, you know, down on the ground. Um, I'm not seeing. The other two involved here, but uh, they're clearly the two, like the opposite energies, right? And uh, yeah, so yeah. just like well, with, with that number block, right? The the high priest Rastos, that that actually, if you were going to look at it, there that's representing he's you know Mozart, and that guy would be representing them as the Freemasons. Interesting. And what do you think these so, five lines represent? The um. I'm not sure. I mean, it could be with the, you know, the five, the, the law of, you know, man, you know, the star, the pentacle and all that kind of stuff. And, yeah. and also the, the queen of darkness, she's represented a lot holding a uh, crescent moon. Okay. And um, she, a lot of the times in the play, she'll actually do the Baphomet symbol. If you type in a queen of darkness, Baphomet, you should be able to find that representation. It's like a part of the play. Um, pretty so um she's the enemy right and you would think yeah so um 
why why would the enemy be revered why would you why would you look look at the enemy some scary ass pictures here what do you got me looking up oh i'm sorry <laughs> uh queen of the- <laughs> look at this shit uh, magic flute <laughs> Magic flute, uh, Queen of Darkness, uh, Baphomet. But I uh, never mind. It should. I, I was hoping it would have popped up right away. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> so, like, no, no, no. But but yeah, see how she's representing the, the moon a lot, and, and a lot of times in yeah. play, she'll she'll do the whole Baphomet thing. Yeah, right, right here, kind of. I mean, she's got one hand up. Her knife is pointing down. Yeah, crescent moon behind her. Yeah, and her servants are. Uh, she has three uh, ladies as her servants, and that represents the 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 moon because you have the waning energy, you have the maiden energy, and then you have the waxing energy. Basically, the triple goddess. So you have the the moon is uh, described as a triple goddess, right? Triple mm-hmm. goddess moon or whatever. The, you have the maiden, you have the mother, and then you have the crone, and that represents the queen of darkness as uh, three ladies who are servants. So it's the moon. The moon and the sun again, right? Yeah, that that pol- that that polar energy story again. So so basically, these works of art, what they're basically showing is it's the same story that they've just shown in different works of art. And um, what this goes into, there's actually a, a part that's kind of messed up about this whole magic flute play. And it, there's a character called uh, Monastados. Uh, and he's uh the Moors, essentially, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um, in this play, uh, Monastado is like he's somebody who's uh a part of Serastos's group, and he understands higher knowledge and stuff like that, right? But see, with his higher knowledge, even though his understanding of higher knowledge, and I'm not saying I agree with this stuff, right? I'm just breaking it down. Um, he lusted after Princess Pamina. Mm. That energies, right, of the flesh. The the instead of looking to the energy of the spirit, even though he was a higher a person who understood higher knowledge, but was still bound with the flesh. So that could be somebody who's uh, a fake prophet going around preaching, um, you know, God and stuff like that. While at the same time you're doing coke and off of your stripper's ass in your private jet. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So um uh and then you there's also other characters called uh Papagina and Papagino. And uh what these are just the regular people. And it's showing that it can be okay to be a regular person. You know what I mean? Like um you, uh sometimes you can still serve a greater purpose without having to be enlightened. You know, it's, it's just showing that um, it's the people who I wouldn't say they're bad people, but you can show them all this evidence against all of these groups that they support and stuff like that, but they will still rather support that group out of image than by logic, you know? Well, yeah, it's the whole idea of thinking with your heart instead of with your mind. Right. Um, mm-hmm. you see a lot of people doing that, dude. And, and there's, and it, it's the same thing to say that, uh, excuse me, <laughs> I thought I was having a stroke right there. Um, it, it's the same thing where, you know, there's the whole phrase where it's like, yeah, the world needs dick, ditch diggers too. Right. 
Um, There's people that go on and they achieve incredible things in their lives. And then there's some people that just don't. And that's, there's no problem with, with somebody that works at McDonald's or works at Taco Bell or works at a job that they hate. Like I do right now. Right. I mean, I I hate my job, but that doesn't mean that I don't have a a greater purpose or that I don't serve a purpose in this world. Um, Same with anyone, dude. I'm sure that 99% of people listening to this whether it's on YouTube or whether it's on the on the podcast feed, they probably don't like their job and they probably don't feel like they're very significant in the world. But there's, there, I, I think that that's kind of like a contrived, uh, it's a contrived mindset by the elites. It's like, yeah, you, you gotta, you gotta be like Kim Kardashian or Kanye West or fucking any of these people that are no more important than you are at, in the grand scheme of things. When, you know, the world's not going to stop when those people die either. But, um, you know, you feel like they're very important because so many people know who they are and they're just not. Yeah. And, and also like saying um, what I was saying with these things is sometimes you can still be helpful and you don't have to be a Jedi. You can be a Han Solo. Yeah. <laughs> still serve the greater purpose. You know what I mean? You don't always have to be a Jedi. We need our Han Solos, you know, Han Solo is the only one. If we're doing the uh, the original Star Wars movies, he's the only one that actually had a movie career after those movies were done. Because <laughs> none of those actors and actresses did shit, but they were the stars of those movies. So yeah, dude, Han Solo, uh, that may be the move. Yeah, <laughs> where it shows, you know, um, you don't, you know, there's there's beauty and variation you know, in a way you don't want to be a sheep, but it's, it's okay. If you don't want to be some super spiritual enlightened person either, you can go your whole life and, and just do it your way. You know, you know, you know, it's like, it, as long as you're not doing anything wrong, like, I mean, who's to really hate on it? Like, you know, don't, you know, as a spiritual person, you shouldn't be going around telling people get on my level. (laughs) It should be like, do it, do it whenever you want to. You know, if you want to get to the spiritual height, do it on your own time. Do it at your own pace, you know? Yeah, dude, there's some I hate when people think like when when people consider themselves awake. I hate that, dude. When they're like, dude, I'm so awake right now. You know, it's like it's what are you talking about, man? Like you you don't know you don't know anything more than I do. You just think you do. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, that That's the whole thing. I think that the smarter people think that they are or the more awake people think that they are, the the more asleep they tend to be on on you know because all that they're doing is just l- learning shit that they've heard or that they you know maybe they do some research but at the end of the day even when you're researching shit you're just reading things that other people have written down and then you're quantifying it in your brain that's all that's going on you're not coming up with many thoughts not you ron but like oh. just anyone looking into this stuff and and you're very soft spoken about the way that you see these things you're not someone that's out there saying I'm right. A hundred percent. You're very, very upfront. And you're saying, dude, you know, I'm, I, I've done some research, but Hey, this could be wrong. I'm just throwing some shit out there. And I think that that's the best way to do it, dude. Yeah. Um, even with theories, a, a lot of the greatest inventions came, came up with just like ideas, you know, yeah. just thoughts. <laughs> exactly. You yeah. Know? Somebody looking at the way something works and says, Hey, you know what? I can make an invention out of this shit. Yeah. Um, you know, that spark of inspiration. All right, you know what to do. Head over to patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast. We're going to be talking more about Mary Shelley and Frankenstein 
and her weird little husband that did some shady shit, okay? Patreon.com slash Dangerous World Podcast. I love you and I appreciate the support.